<laughs> My name's Simon. I've got the privilege of uh, uh, leading the team that leads King's Arms and get a moment to just speak to you uh, on this carol service. I would actually like you to turn to your neighbour and finish this sentence. You can say what you like. You can lie to them. You can tell them the truth. I don't really care. <laughs> uh, finish, finish this sentence. If I could change one thing about myself, it would be... If I could change one thing about myself, it would be... Notice I didn't say, if I could change one thing about you, because this is the season of building one another up, not, you know, that's not on the table. If I could change one thing about myself. You don't need to give them your Christmas list. You don't need to give them like 10 points with three sub points. You know, um, life, is, life is just full of change. Have you noticed that? Life is full of change some changes some changes good like recycling we've finally got it we've finally got the message that we've got to save our planet recycling is a, a good thing obviously you've heard of paralysis the inability to move i now have recyclalysis which is where you stand over the recycling bin trying to work out if you can recycle the packet or not anyone else face this uh, problem trying to work it out and, and, and you wrestle with it. In fact, even this morning, I, I had a two-minute wrestle over the, the cereal packet, trying to look for the little symbol anywhere and could not find a symbol. In the end, I went Greta on it and said, how dare you, and uh, put it in the recycling anyway, just to spite it. Um, but this recycling is a good change. It's a good change. Some changes bad, like Ryanair, who wanted to start charging their passengers to use the toilet on flights. Um, they didn't get away with it, you're pleased to here, but that change would be a bad change. Some change happens fast, like your bank balance. One minute is good, and the next minute, where did all those transactions come from? They've all been stacking up over the weekend or something. Anyone have that moment? Fast change in the wrong direction. Some things change slowly, like my nose hair, which for my entire life has been very well behaved and stayed exactly where it should do in my nose until recently my youngest son pointed out, Dad, we've got a problem here. <laughs> and appointed himself an official nose hair monitor, unelected, I had no say in the matter. I'm not giving you the guys the same permission. <laughs> so some change happens slowly. It kind of sneaks up on us. We, did not, we do not realise. Some change is easy, like, like contactless. I mean, who knew that putting your PIN number in was such a blimmin' ordeal? But now if something comes up at 30, 30 pounds and one pence, I'm like, oh, inside, I'm like, oh, gosh, I've got to put my card in. And I mean, it's just so 2018. I mean, who knew? <laughs> who knew that we needed contactless until contactless came along? And some, some change is, is easy. Some change can be hard. Like on the, on the theme of hair again, eight years old, I went for my first haircut on my own, cycled myself to the barber shop, quite pleased with myself. Unfortunately, chain-smoking Steve the barber, without any real direction from an eight-year-old, decided to give me a one-centimeter fringe. And no matter how much I tugged it, it would not, grew, it would not grow back. And I knew it was bad news when the next day I walked into school, into the playground, and Mark Savage pointed at me and said, SPAM HEAD! <laughs> which I didn't know what it meant, but I thought, that's not a good thing. I don't think that was a, I don't think that was a compliment. Some change can, can be hard. And change can be particularly hard when it comes all at once. Some of you have had years like that. You've had change. Some of it's been good. Some of it's been bad. Some of it's just been downright horrendous. And some just you're not sure about. The best kind of change is change which is linked to hope. 
And that's the kind of the slogan that we've uh, kind of put on the, uh, uh, on the, as the theme for these carol services is, these Christmas services is the life you always wanted. What, what's that about? It's a change that's linked to hope, isn't it? It's a hope that life, the life that you need or want will someday come along. And, and maybe when you think of the life you've always wanted, I don't know, you maybe think of a bigger house or a holiday or, uh, or, or, or a longer holiday or a better job or, you know, bigger biceps or less wobbly bits I don't know you 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 you've got to most of us have a picture when we associate the life that we've always uh, wanted with but here's the point I want to make maybe the life you've always wanted starts not with a change on the outside but a change on the inside I'll say that over here because they seem friendlier maybe <laughs> the life you've always wanted starts not with a change on the outside but with a change on the inside Jesus, uh, one of his most famous sayings is, was on the, on the video. He said, I have come that you might have, life. you might have life in all its fullness. He promised the life that we've always wanted, but he promised it with a change on the inside, starting with a change on the inside. And, and the story we read today uh, that was read so beautifully by the children of the, of the shepherds and the angel and the baby and the manger and all of that kind of stuff is uh, a cute story at Christmas and we see the tea towels and the, you know we sing about the shepherds washing their socks by night and enjoy that story but maybe we forget to see and think about the dramatic change that happened in their, those lives the dramatic change that happened at, that, at Christmas particularly if you think about the shepherds the change that they went through just in that one short story if they were here today to tell their story I think uh, they would want to make two points firstly we didn't even have socks so we couldn't possibly have washed them at night our feet were freezing and the second point they would have wanted to make is this for you it was just a cute story but for us it changed everything <laughs> Nothing stayed the same for us after that moment. Our lives were changed forever. The radical change that happened in those few moments, I think has got a few kind of hints for us at the change that we all need. If we want the life that we've always wanted, the change has to start on the inside. And there's a few things that they go through that I think help us. The first is a change of perspective. The angels rock up and they power up like you know nuclear-powered Christmas tree lights shine in the sky but what you read about the shepherds is what they were filled with fear in fact the, the actual word used there is terror that for us it's a cute story but for uh, for them they were terrified they were filled with terror at this scene uh, and the reality is when God moves we feel a range of emotions sometimes we can feel incredible joy when, when I, I've been in moments where the presence of God, it says in the Bible that when he comes, his, full, his presence is full of joy. So when he comes, joy comes. And I've been in moments where just God's presence came and I just laughed so hard because of God's joy. Uh, a friend of mine, I, I was with her when God's presence just touched her and she laughed so hard she fell over and broke a table. It's one of those moments that we won't easily forget because God, when he comes, provokes emotion. Sometimes it's, it's tears, and I've cried as God, God's presence has come. Sometimes it's, it's fear, like in this story. I've been in moments where I've just been struck 
by the awe of God. When you encounter God, it's hard not to have some kind of emotional response. And, and as I've talked with people over the years, I've had, uh, as we've talked and discussed, particularly people who've never thought about the things of God, and we talk, sometimes a different emotion comes up, sometimes indifference. Maybe you've come along tonight, and uh, this morning, and you feel like, well, you know, I just I came for a friend invited me, but I'm just feel a bit indifferent about this stuff. Sometimes it's apathy, sometimes it's it's interest, sometimes it's anger. You know, Woody Allen, the great comedian, said this: How can I believe in God when last week I got my tongue stuck in a typewriter? I don't know how that happened, but Woody Allen, when he thought about God, thought about the bad stuff that had happened, and he felt anger. The shepherds start with fear in this story, but then the angel says, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Fear not. Fear not, he says, they say, because the shepherds needed a change of perspective if they were to move forward in their lives. If they were to really understand what God was doing in this moment, fear was not going to help them. Somebody once said, fear is like sand in the machinery of life. The fear was not going to help them move forward. And sometimes I think, probably most of the time for all of us, we need this change of perspective to really understand where God is taking us and what he's leading us into. Sometimes we, we have to see that our perspective is the one that changed we want God to be different but actually God is he's the same today yesterday and forever it's us that needs to change our perspective on him and and uh, the pastor Bill Johnson loves to say this God is mysterious but he's not mysteriously bad he's mysteriously good and we like to say well God's mysterious but underneath that we think well maybe he's mysteriously up to no good no no God is not mysteriously bad he's mysteriously good which is why the angels say in the midst of this fear they say to the shepherds I've got good news for you our change of perspective needs to be this I think to start to think through the lens of God is good he's mysteriously good what would it look like to have a change of perspective and the, and the second change that you see in this story is a change of leadership when I was growing up, we had a, a cat, uh, had two cats actually, first one got run over. Um, second cat was called Penny. Uh, it was a bit traumatic, I don't know why you're laughing. Um, <laughs> second cat was called Penny, and this is a picture of, well, it isn't actually Penny, but this is exactly what she looked like. She was a complete ball of fur, uh, a Persian. And, and Penny had a little habit that when you would point something out to her, she wouldn't look at the thing you were pointing to, she would look at your finger. Anyone else have animals and have the same problem? Was, it, was she particularly stupid? I don't know. But anyway, she wouldn't look at the thing you were pointing to. She would just look at your finger. And the more you kind of pointed, Penny, look over there, the more intently she would look at your finger. In fact, sometimes I had to literally twist her fur head around and point her in the direction of the food or whatever it was I was trying to point her at. The, the thing is this. When we think about this story, so often we see this manger this animal feeding trough, and we're like Penny looking at the finger instead of looking at what it was pointing to. And to understand that, you've got to get the context of this story. 27 BC, 30-odd years before these events happened, Augustus uh, was the leader of a group in Rome, and he formed out of the Roman Republic and a bloody civil war formed the Roman Empire. He wiped out all the opposition and formed a united Roman Empire which then began a, an empire that spanned 1,500 years. And, and its uh, 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 foundation was based on the fact that he was the sole emperor. 
And the reality was that people said he was the one who had brought peace. He was the one true king. He made his father, who was deceased, a god. So he was now the son of God. And he was said to be the savior of the world. That was the context for this story. So when the angel comes... Listen again to what he says. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby lying in a manger. What was the point of the manger? It was like the finger pointing to something. It was pointing to what? The Romans are saying that Augustus is Lord and he is saviour. But I'm telling you, Jesus is Lord. I'm telling you, this baby is saviour and he has come to save the world. I'm telling you some different news. And, and so often we can see the little cute manger on our Christmas cards and we think, oh, that's a cute baby. And we think we're just like Penny. We're looking at the manger instead of looking at what it was pointing to. What was the significance of the manger? Well, it was so unusual. You don't find babies wrapped in animal feeding, cloth, feeding troughs. You just didn't see it. It was a sign to the shepherds to say, this is the one. This is the one who has come to be Lord and Saviour. And the audience of this message is important because they were shepherds. They were a despised class. They were often thieves. They were completely uneducated. They were not trusted, so much so that in a court of law in those days, you could not put a shepherd up to give his testimony. That's how ostracized they were on the edge of society. But what does the angel say to them? For unto you is born a saviour. Unto you is born a king. What's the point? Well, if he'd come for the shepherds, then he's come for everyone. <laughs> Jesus was not, the angels did not appear in the palace and say unto you. He said, to the lowest, to the most despised, unto you is born a saviour. So it applies to rappers and teachers and road sweepers and old and young alike. There is a saviour. There is a saviour who has come for you. And here's the question that's provoked by that statement. That the, the deeper question that we have to consider this Christmas is, well, do I need a saviour? Do I need a Lord? Is that what I really need? You know, uh, the Society of International Law in London states that during the last 4,000 years, there have only been 250 years of world peace. 250 years of peace in the last 4,000. In the same period, in excess of 8,000 peace treaties were made and then broken. During that period, there have been 14,350 wars, large and small, in which 3.6 billion people were killed and the value of the property destroyed would pay for a gold belt around the world 97 miles wide and 33 feet thick. You see, it's obvious there's a problem out there. <laughs> the world needs a saviour. But the angel didn't say, unto them is born a saviour. He said, unto you is born a saviour. Here's the deeper question. Do I need a saviour? Do you need a saviour? Tish Harrison Warren writes this, We dwell in a world still racked with conflict, violence, suffering and darkness. Advent holds space for our grief. And it reminds us that all of us, in one way or another, are not only wounded by the evil in this world, 
but are wielders of it, contributing our own moments of unkindness or patience or, or impatience or selfishness. This is the beginning of the change. It's when I stop pointing the finger out there and start pointing the finger in here. It's when I start realizing that my stuff, big and small, has contributed to this mess. Like a few years ago when I had a friend over for coffee and Caroline had made some cake and left a piece for us. They were in the lounge. I was in the kitchen making the coffee. I cut the cake into two pieces, but I don't know what I was doing. I messed it up and I cut one small piece and one big piece. I had a real problem because this was my favorite cake that Caroline makes. She's a great cake maker. Moral dilemma. What do I do? I I don't want to give him the big piece and me have the small piece because, well, it's my favorite cake. But I didn't want to, I couldn't, keep the big piece for myself and give him the small piece because then I would look greedy. Real problem. So what did I do? I cut down the big piece in the kitchen while he wasn't looking and ate the extra piece (laughs) and then took out to him two equally sized pieces. Perfect solution. He thought I was equally generous to both of us. He had no idea. What's What's the problem? A few hours later, the Holy Spirit wanted to have a little discussion about (laughs) the moment, and he used the word greed. I was outraged. (laughs) Me? Greed? No, no, those people are greedy. Do you get my point? It's the inside, isn't it, that matters. And Advent actually was designed, I didn't know this till recently, Advent was designed, actually we surround it with tinsel and celebration, but it was actually first designed as a period of mourning. It was a period of preparation. It was a period where we get to look on the inside. It's a period where we get to grieve the state of the world and we get to grieve the state of our hearts. You might, Simon, you're making me feel bad about myself. Listen. I'm glad. Why? Because you and I have been brought up in a world that is filled with thinking that is, I can just improve myself if I can just make myself better, that mankind has the answers to everything. We're just going to make it. And I don't know why that humanistic thinking has not been killed in the last century when we murdered and brutalized and killed our world. And just the hatred that you see around the planet now, I don't know why that thinking is still alive, but it is still alive. And there is a point when we've got that thinking in our minds, we'll never receive the need for a saviour. We'll never receive. We'll always think it's them out there instead of realising, no, it's me in here. I'm the one who needs a saviour. And when we get to that point, when we've grieved and mourned, then we can get to Christmas Day and we can say, unto you a saviour is born. (laughs) Get happy at any point. Then we can say, there is a king who is born and he's not just come for them, he's come for me. It's not just them that needs a new leader, it's me that needs a new leader. I am just full of myself. And A world full of people who are full of themselves will kill this world. But there needs to be a saviour who will come and he has come. And then we can celebrate. Did you know that actually in the Christmas tradition, there are actually 12 uh, days of celebration after Christmas. It starts on Christmas Day and we're meant to celebrate for 12 days. I don't know about you, I can only manage one or two. I can only eat so many celebrations or, you know, those <laughs> mini whisper bites. I mean, just you can, you can only, but you're meant to have 12 days of celebration. 12 days of celebration. Why? 
Why so much celebration? Because if we've gone through the morning, if we've really understood the state of our souls, if we really understood what Christ has come for, then, then when we get to the Christmas, instead of like the, the fake joy, like when my aunt used to give me another bottle of cheap per, uh, of aftershave every Christmas and I had to express some kind of appreciation, that kind of joy, instead of kind of that kind of fake stuff, we genuinely celebrate because we've genuinely grieved and we've genuinely mourned and we've genuinely realized he came for me. This is my Savior, like the guy who spoke to me this year and said, thank you so much for sharing last time, I spoke, last time you spoke. You literally saved my life. I said, what do you mean? He said, I was suicidal, but your words gave me hope. We celebrate like that. Or like when you're crossing your road and your friend says, stop. And you realize if you hadn't stopped, that bus that shot past would have hit you. You would have been dead. They saved your life. We celebrate like that because we realize we really did need a saviour. We need a change of leadership. And it applies in different ways. If you're a, a Christian already, then this Christmas when you see that manger, think about unto you has come a saviour and really celebrate. Don't just joy to the world. No. Joy to the world. Happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. No, happy Christmas. A saviour is born. We can die through over-familiarity. Just rolls on year in, year out. No, no, no. Savour it. Do something different. Break out of your box so that this Christmas you remember, I really needed a saviour and he came for me. That's the meaning of the season. And if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, then don't be like my cat Penny. Don't look at the finger, the manger. Think about the saviour who came in the manger. Think about this question, do I need a saviour? And if so, think about one who has come. And then the third change is a change of action. This is what it says in verse 15. The angels went away from them into heaven. The shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. It's like crossing monkey bars. You ever cross monkey bars? Obviously not enough. Get to the park and do it. Burn off that Christmas dinner. It's like crossing monkey bars. To cross monkey bars, you have to let go to move forward. And if you just hang there paralyzed by the fear of falling, what's going to happen? You will fall. <laughs> but if you keep moving forward, you can make it across, or at least have a good attempt. It's just like that. You see, with the shepherds, what they do is they do something with the information. They investigate. They say, let's go and check this out. I would encourage you, if you're not a follower of Christ today, your biggest priority in 2020 is to going to be investigate these things. Investigate these things. Seek them out. If God is out there, then he has come for you and his name is Jesus. Go on an Alpha course or come join us on a Sunday or join one of our groups. Join King's Chorus. Seek these things out in community. And, and if you are a Christian, the result is a change in worship. Look at the shepherds. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God for all they'd heard and seen as it had been told to them. These shepherds had seen Jesus and they were amazed. 
suddenly it all made sense. You see, when you see Jesus, you realize he is amazing. He is incredible. He is perfect. He is all-powerful. He's the creator of the universe. He is worshipped and adored for all eternity by the trillions and billions of the universe. He's faultless in his wisdom. He's glorious in his majesty. His radiance fills the universe with joy. He is the source of all creative energy. He is the one who created all things. And yet he wasn't too big or full of himself that he would not humble himself to come and be born as a baby. And when we rejected him, he did not reject us. He pursued us into the darkness. He pursued us into this sin-filled, stained, broken world. And he came. And he came for us. And the shepherds saw him and they worshipped and they praised God because they suddenly realised he's not just their king, he's my king. He's not just their saviour, he is my saviour. And they worshipped him. And what a king he was, full of humility. Unlike any other king, any other ruler or president or prime minister or leader that there will ever be, they're just a shadow, they're just an echo of the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And one day every knee will see him, every eye will see him, every knee will bow before him because he is king and he is to be worshipped. And we can place him today in the centre of our lives or we can treat him as an add-on. But I tell you this, This Christmas is a season where we can make a change. Whether you're a believer or or not yet a believer, you can make a change. You can have a change of perspective and think, what's my perspective on God? Do I see him as mysteriously good or mysteriously bad? I might need to change my perspective. I might need to think about the leadership in your life. Who's really leading as you go into this season? Maybe having a period of mourning before Christmas to really examine and grieve for the state of the world, the state of your heart, so that on Christmas morning you can celebrate. And if you can make it through 12 days of celebration, then let me know. I'd love to hear how you did that. We can truly celebrate together and then have a change of action. Take a moment in this new year to think, what's the next step to follow this king? What does my worship look like as a different response? How do I investigate these things further? Because the angel said to us, as he said to the shepherds, when we realise that we are the shepherds in that story, really. We're the ostracised ones. We're the ones who are on the edge. We're the ones who did not deserve to be picked out and for an angel to say to us, unto you is born a saviour. Unto you is born a king. When we realise that that's who we are, then we can worship, then we can celebrate, and we can have our sherry and our celebrations or whatever you have, or your pigs in blankets. But with a, or some of you got excited at that point. (laughs) Pigs in blankets. (laughs) We can have them with a genuine sense of thanksgiving because a saviour has come for us and his name is Christ the Lord. Let's get the band up, shall we?